Hello, everyone, and welcome to Forehead Sake, formerly known as Heads Up. We are the weekly webcast and podcast of the National Headache Foundation. I'm Dr. Lindsay Weitzel, founder of Migraine Nation and chronic daily migraine survivor. I am super excited to tell you that I am here today with Dr. Amelia Scott Barrett. Hi, Dr. Barrett. How are you doing? Hi there. I'm fine. Thanks. Thanks for having me here today. Thanks for being here. Dr. Barrett is a board-certified neurologist and the creator of the Migraine Relief Code. Our episode today is really for everyone with head pain. Here at the National Headache Foundation, we like to talk to everyone, everyone with head pain, not just one particular type. This is titled, Why Do I Have Migraine? Or Why Does My Head Hurt So Bad? How many times have you just wondered why on earth your head was hurting so badly and where the pain was coming from? I have felt like that many times in my life. Uh, I have a history of migraine. Dr. Barrett also has a history of migraine. I had chronic daily migraine from the time I was four until I was 30. And it was not until I was 30 years old that I had any relief at all. And I had some pretty severe consequences from my migraine history and my pain history. Um, Dr. Barrett, why don't you tell everyone just a little bit about your migraine history so that everyone knows that we know where they're coming from? Sure. So I have a fairly strong family history of mm. migraine. Uh, my mom gets them. My aunt gets them, her sister. I get them. And unfortunately, both of my daughters get them too. Mm. Um, so I definitely have that genetic. So for me growing up, I, I sort of thought everybody got headaches, right. which turns out not to be true. <laughs> Right. Um, right. And I definitely started down the path of conventional medicine. And then, um, at, you know, it, similarly in my 30s, realized that there were a lot of other things I could do to make my headaches better. Right. So we're going to get into some genetic components in a little bit, just like Dr. Melia started talking or Dr. Barrett started talking about. Excuse me. So, Dr. Barrett, let's, we're going to have a whole story we're going to go through here, um, having to do with where migraine comes from, where head pain comes from. So let's begin with where does migraine start? So that's a really good question. Um, migraine really begins in the brain. So there are deep structures in the brain that I sort of imagine as being a light switch. Mm -hmm. So if enough sensory information comes into the brain and ends up being processed in these deep structures in the brain, it's almost like a light switch gets flipped and right. a series of events happen in the brain. So for those of you who are familiar with the technology, I'm referring to cortical spreading depression, mm -hmm. which is an abnormal wave of electricity that goes across the brain and begins the events that we experience as migraine. Okay. So this is where it gets a little confusing because we can't really feel our brains, right? So the pain and all these terrible sensations that we feel during a migraine, are they coming from our brain? No, they're actually not right. <laughs> the brain actually does not feel pain. You can do neurosurgery on the brain without anesthesia and it does not perceive pain, which is so right. crazy, right? Right. This whole process is beginning in the brain and yet that's not where we feel it. So there are parts of the brain, the skull 
the head Mm -hmm. that perceive pain, but those are the blood vessels and also the lining that surrounds the brain called the dura or meninges. So those are the parts of the head that are feeling pain. Okay. So it's really sort of vascular structures around the brain and in our head that we are feeling pain come from, correct? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. So now we don't want to lose our listeners who don't have migraine because we have a lot of them. So for listeners who don't have migraine, but have other types of headache, whether it be tension, headache, I'm not going to list them all because we have episodes out and we're going to have more episodes out where we talk to each one of them separately. But um, where does that sort of pain come from? Well, uh, you know, I'm glad you're making this distinction because migraine really is sort of a very specific set of events happening in the brain, but um, head pain certainly happens from other causes. So for Mm -hmm. example, uh, tension headaches are caused by the tightness in the muscles, the muscle spasm. Uh, you know, it feels like our our skull is pretty solid, but there are actually a lot of muscles outside the skull that can tighten up and press on the nerves and other structures going through those uh, muscles. And that is in fact, the cause of the pain. That's what starts generating uh, the pain signals. And, you know, it may or may not generate that cascade of events in the brain that we identify as migraine, but it sure does hurt. (laughs) Right. I mean, it really hurts. And so I do think this is such an interesting episode, such an interesting topic, because if you are just in horrible pain for hours and days and weeks on end, you do really wonder what on earth is hurting and what's causing it. So um, many of us feel neck pain, pain in our face as part of our migraine and our head pain experience. Is there a simple way for you to explain to us how these sensations from our neck and our face and our head are all connected? Yeah, I'm glad you brought this up. There is a nerve called the trigeminal nerve that is kind of the big player for headaches. And so it the nerve actually has three branches. So if you can imagine, it goes across the face like this. So I'm putting, for those of you who are just listening, I've got uh, a one finger up towards the head, the mm-hmm. forehead, another finger towards the cheek and another finger down towards the jaw. So this nerve has three branches like that. Right. And then it goes back into the brainstem, which is one of these deeper structures where the sensory signals get processed and can flip that switch that ends up causing migraine. Um, so that nerve is a big player in generating migraine and other types of headaches. And there are similar nerves that go down into the neck and shoulders uh, that bring the abnormal signals up into those deeper parts of the brain for processing all of the sensory signals that come into the brain get processed by these deeper structures in the brain. And then, you know, the brain has to decide what to do with them. And then the brain either can flip that migraine switch or not, correct? Exactly. Right. And then is it bi-directional at all? Can, does does it all go one way? In other words, does then the migraine or other type of head pain go cause neck pain or facial facial pain? Yeah, absolutely. So once that flip gets switched and the process gets started in the brain, 
there are inflammatory chemicals, pain chemicals that are released, and that will in turn cause pain elsewhere. So that can be pain in the neck, uh, the muscles of the upper back, super common symptoms with migraine. Yeah. So it does go both ways. Okay. All right. So then this is a big question because uh, we all often hear about triggers. Many of us have triggers that can uh, cause our migraine symptoms. So if a migraine starts in our brain, how do things like certain foods, sunlight, you name it, different people have different triggers, trigger our migraine? You know, they sort of build up. So here's here's a way to think of it. Have you ever been to a water park where the water fills up a giant bucket slowly and then eventually the bucket just right. tips? Right. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> I think of it that way. Like all of these triggers come in. Maybe it's a food, maybe it's a smell, maybe it's sunlight, maybe it's stress, maybe it's not sleeping, maybe it's, uh, you know, all, all the different things that can be triggers. They sort of fill up that bucket and then once it gets to a point, the bucket tips and the migraine is generated or, you know, the light switch is flipped, you know, like we were saying a minute ago. But um, all of those things are cumulative. And part of what's happening in the brain of somebody with migraine is that they don't filter those triggers the same way other people do. We are more sensitive to them on a physical level in our brain. So maybe our bucket is smaller sometimes than other people's buckets. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Right. And, and the size of our bucket can change, you know, right. depending on a lot of variables. So it sort of depends on, you know, how fast are those triggers coming in, filling up our bucket, making it tip over and, and go down that path of, right. of migraine. I, that's a great analogy. I love that analogy. I bet yes. lots of people can relate to that analogy. That was awesome. So this that moves us right into some genetic questions. And you mentioned that you it's pretty obvious in your family there's a genetic component. My family, my father and I both, um, we don't ever remember not being chronic. Uh, we both, age four or so is when we remember our first migraine, and we don't remember much of a life without having it all the time. Um, I had a great grandmother with migraine, and my son uh, was diagnosed as chronic at age seven. Uh, he did, he is doing much better. I am doing significantly better, uh, but I had. 26 years of just daily uh, incessant migraine. So um, the latest data shows that there's, you know, somewhere around 130 or so genes that are associated with migraine. So knowing everything we just said about how a migraine starts, where it comes from, how does our genetic makeup affect this tendency toward our, toward migraine? Does it have to do with this bucket, the size of this bucket, this awesome analogy you just came up with? Yeah, yeah, it really does. So, you know, in the same way that some of us are better athletes than other people, some of us are more prone to migraine than other people. That genetic connection is real. And as time goes on and science advances, we're figuring out more and more what those genes are, right. uh, like you're saying. And so what it, I think the important thing here, though, is that so many people think that because they have a gene for something, that they right. are destined to always have that problem. And, right. and, and the key distinction here is not all genes are like eye color, 
which is constant, right? Not all genes are that way. So people with migraine have sort of a factory in their brain that can make migraines, right? Right. They're wired for it. They have the factory, uh, the genes to be able to make all of the things that go into that whole process of generating the migraine experience in Mm -hmm. the brain. And there, there certainly are genetic determinants of that. Right. I used, there was a previous um, podcast years ago where I remember someone was talking about genetics and I blurted out that I think my body's greatest talent is making migraine. (laughs) And because I started doing it from, you know, my earliest memory. And so some people probably relate to that. They probably feel that way. Um, But it feels like when we start talking about genetics, you're right. It feels like we don't have much power over the situation. And we don't want people to feel like that because if that was true, this would be our last podcast. We would quit and we wouldn't bother bringing (laughs) you any new information. We wouldn't talk to you about the latest medications, um, all the lifestyle factors, all the new data that comes out. And it's not true because we're going to bring you tons of information. This is why we're here. And so the reason this works is something called epigenetics. So can you explain to us what epigenetics is? So even though I was born, we can use me as an example with um, the fastest, coolest train tracks in the world for making migraine. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So uh, what is it that I can do and that happened to me as of, let's say, 15, 16 years ago um, that um, that I can change this, this issue that I was kind of born pretty prone to migraine and lots of things made me really, really prone to severe migraine. Yeah. And epigenetics is probably my favorite scientific discovery of my entire career because it is so empowering. And here's why. What it means is that even if you have this factory in your head that is really good at making migraines, you can shut that factory down. You can slow it down and make it uh, essentially stop producing all of those chemicals that are needed to generate the experience of migraine. Mm -hmm. And part of the way that happens is that you may have the gene for something, think of genes as instructions, right? Right. It's, you know, a machine in the factory that does a certain thing. Um, Even though you have those instructions, you may or may not need what that factory is making, right? So Mm -hmm. if your body stops needing all of those chemicals that generate migraine, then those genes just go dormant. Mm -hmm. That's what I mean when I say the factory can be shut down. Now, what determines that? It it really comes down to the level of the cell. So if you Mm -hmm. imagine a cell as, you know, like a water balloon with a lot of stuff in it, um, what's happening inside that balloon is determined by where you've got that water balloon, what the external environment is like. Mm -hmm. If the environment is such that that cell is being told, make more migraine proteins, make more migraine proteins, make more migraine proteins, well, then it will. Right. But if you change that environment and the cell no longer needs to do that, you are essentially shutting down that factory. Does that make sense? Yes. And I love that analogy. It's awesome. Thank you for that. Um, So here we have a message for people who so many people do this. Um, You know, you assume it's going to get better. 
Um, and so you've got, you know, maybe you're episodic for people who might not know the definition we currently have for chronic versus episodic is the number 15, 15 or more headache days a month. We technically call it chronic and uh, 15 or less headache days a, a month. We we throw you into the episodic migraine pile. And so, um, but people often assume, okay, you know, I'm pushing through uh, I, and it's going to get better. And, and fortunately, one thing we do know about pain and migraine is that generally pain causes more pain and migraine causes more migraine. We might not know all the details as to why, but we know that maybe two to 3% of people with migraine will go on to become chronic and if they don't do something about it. So, um, so can we talk about a little bit about why that happens? Why does our nervous system just keep the pain going? Yeah, you are so right to point out that once it gets past a certain point, the whole thing just snowballs and it gets much, much, much harder uh, to stop that train. And so essentially what's happening here is that neurons that fire together, wire together. And what that means is that your brain is essentially laying down train tracks. Mm -hmm. And then the experience of migraine is like the train going down that track. Once those train tracks are laid down, it's a whole lot easier for the train to go there right. in essence. Um, so once those neural pathways are well-established, it's very easy for them to fire for your brain to go down that path. It's like when you learn to ride a bike, right? Your brain gets good at something and then it's very easy for those uh, pathways to fire Mm -hmm. um, so that is what's happening with chronification. And I support your um, mission to help people understand that something very different is happening in the brain when once you get past a certain point, and we yeah. really, really, really need to intervene before it gets to that point. So right. many people are powering through, ignoring their bodies. Um, and I think it's really important for people to know that is not a good idea. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, I mean, one one of our biggest things that we like to say is get into a headache specialist and, you know, get it stopped, get it treated, don't ignore it. Um, so we will have a whole separate, separate, excuse me, episode on what's called central sensitization, which is this process when it does chronify, does get worse, uh, pain decides to create more pain. So we, we will go more into that at another time, but let's, let's go into the good part of this. Are we able to walk the process backwards? In other words, through the use of medications, lifestyle, diet, even our mentality, our thoughts. Um, there's so much data in all these different areas that I'm throwing out there. I'm not just spouting words. I'm spouting things that have data <laughs> um, that um, to change our migraine and our pain experience. Absolutely. And this is one message that I want anybody listening to really, really hear. I talk to so many people who are frustrated and have kind of given up on their headaches. And mm -hmm. I just want to be a hundred percent sure that people really, really hear and believe that you can get better and it's within your power to do so. Right. Um, and so, you know, from a, 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 a science perspective, the way that's happening is through this process of epigenetics, you change the environment of the cell, you change the expression 
of the chemicals that create migraines. So you are shutting down that factory. That is something that you uh, can make happen. And then the other way it happens is just in the same way that we make unhealthy train tracks in our brain that get very used to firing migraines. We can also make healthy train tracks in our brain. Our brains can rewire Um, We have seen this very clearly with some of the newer technology like functional MRI. Um, It has become very, very clear that this is a process that is under voluntary control, which is incredibly empowering for anybody who is uh, suffering with headaches. Right. And we know that there's people listening that have given up or are about to give up because I had given up. So, um, you you don't have to quit listening if you you don't have to think we don't understand you. <laughs> I had I had I was beyond giving up. So I, I had given up multiple times. So so we get you if if you're listening and you're there. Um, so um, so this is why we're you know we talk about not giving up um, and that we can walk the process backwards and we bring updates. We bring all the latest updates on the meds and everything that can bring people hope. Um, so Dr. Barrett, is there anything else you'd like to add to our topic today on why do I have migraine or why does my head hurt so bad? (laughs) Um, I, you know, I, I, just want to reemphasize that message of empowerment that you were saying. I really want to echo that um, and make sure people know that help is out there um, from whether that's medications, whether that's understanding how your brain heals, um, whether that's using newer technology, genetic testing, wearables. Um, there are many, many avenues that are available to you to get better. So yeah, okay. reach out. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Forehead's Sake. Don't forget that we are both a video podcast and an audio podcast, and you can watch us or listen to us anytime. Thank you so much and join us again next week.